0: I think at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is we're talking, as we talk about competitions and being ready for these long, long haul events is that preparation is so important, whether we're preparing our foods, whether we're preparing by calling ahead and making sure hotels have a refrigerator in them, whether we're preparing by getting enough sleep, by training correctly, but preparation will do so much to get us ready for those competitions. And then when we're in the competition phase, we've all been talking about how much it's about maintenance really trying to maintain our energy levels, really trying to maintain our stamina, trying not to overdo things where we can and um, be as smart and efficient as we can during it. And then afterwards, give ourselves the rest that we need. Make sure we're eating those nourishing foods to rebuild our bodies. Make sure we're taking that time to sleep, making sure we're taking time off from the dance so that we can really give ourselves the recovery time that we need. So we have to look at it not just in that isolated pulling those two or three days out. We have to look at the beginning and at the middle and at the end of it in order to have a really successful competition or, or, or event weekend. Welcome back to the Bendy Bodies podcast, where we speak with experts bringing you state-of-the-art information to help you improve your well being, enhance your performance, and optimize career longevity. This is co host Jennifer Milner, here with the hypermobility MD, Dr. Linda Bluestein.
1: We are so glad you are here to learn tips to help you self manage your conditions and live your best bendy life. This information is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice.
0: I'm Jennifer Milner, a former professional ballet and Broadway dancer and I struggled my whole career with hypermobility-related issues and injuries. Now, I train dancers and want to make sure the next generation of hypermobile artists are better equipped to work to their fullest potential.
1: I'm Dr. Linda Bluestein, and I started Bendy Bodies as my second podcast to educate the hypermobile community. Despite being a physician, I experienced decades of symptoms before being finally diagnosed with hypermobile EDS, and I too have been gaslit and felt completely alone in my journey.
0: For today's podcast, we are deviating from our usual style a bit and doing a roundtable conversation with Bendy Bodies own team member, Kristen Koskinen, founder of Eat Well Pros and registered dietitian nutritionist. Hey, Kristen, welcome back to Bendy Bodies. Thank you. It's always good to meet with you too. (laughs) <laughs> we love chatting with you. Yes, we do. Honestly, I have to say, I'm not sure how this uh, conversation is going to devolve into just sort of a free for all <laughs> with the three of us, but everybody just <laughs> just stick with us. Okay. Um, Kristen, before we dive into our topic, can you tell the listeners who may be new to you a little bit about yourself?
2: Sure. My name is Kristen Koskinen. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. I work with dancers and hypermobile people to find best solutions for their Performance and health needs. And I'm delighted to be part of the Bendy Bodies team.
0: Excellent. You always have so much wisdom to offer us on uh, nutrition and how people can fuel their bodies and simple steps that we can take to live our best hypermobile lives. So today, we want to talk about competitions and how to sort of prepare for them and get through them, not just barely by the skin of our teeth, but in <laughs> as healthy of a way possible. And I often get questions on how to prepare for competitions. And I know Kristen is constantly asked for tips on how to get through those long days. Kristen posts really great information on her Instagram account, kristen.koskinen.rdn. Uh, just throwing that out there now, although I'm sure we will talk about it later as well, but she's always posting great information on sort of how to get through those long days. And Dr. Bluestein is also asked about pain management and how to sort of be ready for stress on the body. So. We just thought we would put our heads together and share our combined expertise on this topic all in one big discussion. (laughs) And hopefully this information will be helpful, whether you're heading into a big convention weekend or you are going to be doing a long ballet competition or a cheer competition weekend or the Olympics, right? Even though I know it's not the year of the Olympics, but you might be listening to it in an Olympics year. So we are here to talk about preparing for that long haul and what it takes to get through an intense few days. So before we dig in, Dr. Bluestein, why might people with hypermobility disorders need to do a bit more planning and preparations for a long competition weekend? So I think the big thing is a lot of people
1: who are walking around with symptomatic joint hypermobility, they might be dealing with a wide or array of symptoms that are not optimally controlled. So they might be dealing with pain, they might be dealing with orthostatic intolerance. So they have difficulty with upright posture. When they go from sitting to standing, they get dizzy. And they might have, you know, GI symptoms, which of course I'm sure Kristen's gonna talk about. And so Anything that they can optimize would be really, really helpful before a competition. So if they've noticed that they get injured more easily or they recover more slowly, you definitely want to pay attention to those things. You want to really try to get everything as optimal as possible. Really focus on your on your technique and your sleep and all of the variables
0: that you can possibly get under control. That is. Right. I mean, we all should be doing that, right? (laughs) But when we're talking about people with hypermobility disorders, as you said, there are people out there with a a wide variety of symptoms, as you said, they're not being controlled very well. So it's great to try to get those under control before we are trying to go into what is going to be a really stressful time on our body and if we are going to talk about any kind of competition or intense weekend we have to start with the time before the time this means that if you first start thinking about how to get your how to get through your competition the night before the kickoff then you're already behind right so When should artistic athletes first start thinking and planning for a competition and how? Kristen, let's start with you. At what point should someone plan their fueling, not just for daily needs, but for an upcoming competition?
2: Right. And I think that can be, I'd say a month in advance isn't too soon for a number of reasons. So we want to look first when I'm working with dancers who are going to a competition, we first, we pull the lens way back. The first thing I want to know is where's the competition, because if you're going to be changing time zones, we want to look, take that into consideration. If you have travel, we need to look at that. If your competition's in your hometown or a short way away, that makes things a bit different too. So If if you're going to be traveling a month in advance, isn't too far. And if you consistently are in competitions, this should be part of your repertoire, right? It's not just something, it's not a tag along, this should be built in. So I'm going to speak as if you're traveling and you may be crossing a time zone. So the first thing we want to look at is what are you going to be doing to Prepare for that destination. So you may need to scout things out and know what's available to you. Then that can take some time. So when we look at that time frame, it's about having time to plan for practical matters like where can you get food, what is your ho- what are your accommodations going to be like, do you need to drive to get things, is there anything near the venue where you're going to be performing? This is all on one level. And then of course, the, there's the idea of preparing your body and getting used to it. The nice thing is bodies are adaptable. And so if we, we you can start to do things to prepare yourself to eat and drink. And so that your body's ready for those things in advance of your competition. So you want to know what works for you. You mostly, we want to know what works for you. If we know what works for you, great. We don't need to worry about what doesn't work for you because we know what does work. And so we want to stick with those things and that can take some time to figure that out too. You, you may try things out and they work. You may try things out and they don't work so well. So having some time to figure those things out is great. And after you've done it once, then it takes less time in subsequent
0: things, but a month I think is good, maybe more. And that's true because it's not like you're gonna eat one bowl of spinach and become Popeye, right? <laughs> yeah. So we can't expect that instant reaction from, from the superfoods. How might someone change their intake in order to be more well-prepared for the weekend? Might they change and try to up certain nutrients to have it already stored in their body? Might they be changing their carb to protein to fat ratio? Or might they just try to continue doing whatever is optimum for them?
2: Right, hopefully we're doing all these things that you're optimizing all the time. Your nutrition will impact your training and better training means better performance. So these are things that you wanna have in motion all the time. That's part of the long game with your nutrition strategies. As you get closer to the time, You really need to look at, that'll depend on what your training and rehearsal schedule looks like. So if you notice that you're in the studio more, if it happens to coincide with work or holiday or school changes where you have more stressors on board, those are things to address. And you may find that stress, whether it's physical or emotional, can increase the demand of certain nutrients. And those nutrients include magnesium, sodium, vitamin C, B vitamins. So we want to be mindful of those things and making sure you're getting enough in advance of your performance. And we know when you get to competition, things are, may not be ideal. And so we're going to do the best with what we have. So in that time, up to it. It's not about being perfect or perfectionistic about your eating, but recognizing are there things that you need to pay particular attention to, to make sure that when you get to that competition, you don't have a gap and nutrients of focus would definitely be vitamin C, sodium, magnesium B vitamins. There are others too, but those are, you know, zinc, vitamin D, it's all of them, but those are some that (laughs) we see stress really hits hard.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Let's move to sort of our non-fueling preparation. Dr. Bluestein. are there steps that people can take in advance of a grueling few days to be able to better handle the physical challenges?
1: So one of the things that I think is most challenging for dancers particularly and other performers that might be often rehearsing late in the day, or especially if they go to a competition and they have these really, really long days, right, is sleep because our bodies are designed to be asleep when it's dark outside and be awake when it's light outside. And the circadian clock controls everything in the body, all of our hormones and our body functions optimally when we are able to follow a circadian rhythm, when we're able to get up every day at the same time, go to bed every day at the same time, get good quality, deep sleep. We also know that injuries are related to fatigue. So the more fatigued you are, the more sleep deprived you are, the more likely you are to get injured. And you're also going to heal better from injuries if you are able to get more rest, because we know that sleep is really restorative. And in order to heal optimally, you really need good sleep. So I think this is where it's so challenging when you're at a competition and you're dancing for, you know, 14 hour days or even, even beforehand, you know, dancers are so often dancing late into the day and then they come home and oftentimes they'll come home and have something to eat. And so by the time they get to bed, it can be later than would be ideal um, because you also don't want to eat and then go right to bed, which isn't great. I think sleep is one thing that I, I really wish we could change the timing of things a little bit, like have performances earlier in the day, have the competition. If I if it was me in charge of competitions, I would definitely have the days a little bit shorter. Well, actually, probably a lot shorter, so that people <laughs> could get more rest. You know, I mean, you obviously you want them to get so much out of it, but I think what often happens is people run on adrenaline. So they can get through the weekend, but then they crash. And the things that happen after you crash you know, then you realize that you really are injured at the time. You're so distracted. You're aware of the pain maybe, but you're able to kind of push it back into the background and you're not aware of just how injured you are until afterwards, when those endorphins go back down, you get, you can get headaches and you realize too, like how much pain you're in. And also the immune system, your immune system can really take a hit when you are pushing your body that hard, you're not sleeping, you're focusing on external factors. Obviously competition is, you know, you're being judged externally. And so one of the things that I really work with dancers on is listening to internal cues, Really paying attention to what is your body trying to tell you is that pain sensation trying to tell you that you need to work on your technique there's some nagging injury and if you modify your technique maybe those tissues won't be under so much strain and I'm sure Jen you're going to talk about this um, later about technique and and things that you can do in that regard. But I think one of the best skills that dancers can acquire and other athletes is really listening to the body with the right ear, not, not right as opposed to left, but the correct (laughs) ear so that you can interpret those bodily signals appropriately. And we can really learn from previous experiences as well. So if in the past you had some discomfort and then after we're after a competition, it was like, you were really injured and it took you a while to recover then you know try to learn from that and try to when you go forward don't try to get into the anxiety part of it but try to be analytic and think okay what is my body trying to tell me is this something that's potentially serious or is this something that's you know kind of more minor a last thing on this that i see people do sometimes at competitions they come out they ice something And then they go right back in (laughs) and that just makes me crazy because Mm -hmm. then you can't feel the part of your body and, and also it's cold. And so it's stiff and you're more likely to get injured. So don't just cover up the pain. Don't, don't live on non-steroidal anti-inflammatories all weekend. Don't live on acetaminophen all weekend. Don't live on ice all weekend because those things just cover up the pain and they don't actually get to the root cause or help you not be injured.
0: And a whole bunch of people just were like, I don't want to listen to this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I have been to so many conventions and competitions where there's literally an ice station and the dancers just keep coming by to grab them and throw them on their bodies. And they're like, H- if I can't take anti-inflammatories, how am I going to get through the weekend? <laughs> Never fear people. We are going to talk about that. But right now we are talking about what you can do before the competition. And I think, as you said It's so important to be able to learn to listen to your body. And you have to do that before the competition. You've got to get that, develop that inner ear to be able to sense what's going on and to be able to make those judgment calls. Now it's time to go see the PT. Now it's time to ease back on my workout. Now it's time to get that technique checked out. Um, So that's a great thing that we often miss when we're thinking about how do we get ready for a competition? Learn to be able to, to listen to yourself and judge what you need to have and what's going on in you.
1: Yeah. And ice isn't always a bad thing. You know I mean? Obviously lots of athletes will use that. And when we get injured, we get inflammation and inflammation isn't a bad thing either. Inflammation can help heal an injury, but it's just, you know, everything in moderation, right? So I think Mm -hmm. that's, that's part of that point. Jen, I'm really curious to know, when do you start working with a client on preparing for a
0: competition? Honestly, like months ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we first start, um, I consider August, September to be the start of our season. Mm -hmm. So when we first start that season, we do all every year, no matter how how many years they've been with me, we do a complete new discussion. What are your goals? Let's look at your body. What are you feeling? What do you wish you were doing better? What are you proud of? And then we sit down and look at the season that they have. And we know uh, YAGP is going to be this month. The pre, the submissions are going to be due this month. And then the competition for pre would be this month. Audition season is going to be January, which means we have to have the reels ready by here. So we're really looking at that whole season and what do we need to be ready for? And for me, most dancers start working on... um, their variations in their solos months ahead of time. So if they start working on them in August, September, I get to know, are you doing uh, Raymonda's dream variation? Are you doing Lorencia? Are you doing Gamzati? And that will definitely affect how I train them. Do I need to train them for those big buoyant jumps? Do I need to train them for that slow adagio? Are you doing Giselle? Uh, we need to work that standing leg. What do we need to train you for? So we'll start looking at it months ahead of time. And a big part of what I do is teach them how to sort of work through their own schedule. And we talk about periodization and how we're going to start digging in and pushing harder early in the stage. And then then we hit that point where we're really just kind of trying to maintain. And so if a competition's in January, we're we're not busting our tushies in December. We are easing back on that throttle, partly because it's Nutcracker, right? But we ease back on that throttle and we say, let's say the competition's the end of January. So- We're going to look at the whole month of January and say, where can you take a few days off, which is really hard for dancers, but where can you get one or two days in a row to really let your body rest? As we get close to that competition, we're going to do sessions more like dynamic stretching sessions and release sessions rather than let's exercise and work your core real hard. So we really look at that overall arc and try to first get exercises that will complement the choreography that they're doing. But then we also talk about when do we push? When do we ease back? And as we're planning all of that, when I see technical things come up, if we're working on, if we're working on Gamzadi and I see that she's not doing really great landing, and then she tells me, oh, my calf is really kind of bothering me. I'll make sure she gets into the PT, get some some work done on her calf, and then we'll work on her technique and say, well, what are you using instead? Like, where are you landing from that you shouldn't be? So it all kind of fits together, but ideally it's gonna be months ahead of time. And uh, we're also going to be talking about preparing for that day will include, how do you warm up? So we will put together a 20, 30 minute warm up outside of just a dance class um, that are gonna have a few exercises that will target the things she needs to target. So she'll have them in her pocket Ready to go in, so that you know if if it's a guy and he's doing uh, Basilio, then we know that he's going to be ready and have a nice loose spine and ready to do those fancy cool turns and all the big bravado that goes with it, because he's got the warm up that has that has worked for him. So we really want to make sure that we have as much time as possible <laughs> to talk about these about these competitions, and getting ready for it. So we all have a sort of a bit different input on how to get ready, but we all agree you have to get ready and there has to be that time spent getting ready for it. So we're going to pretend that everybody has taken our advice and has gotten an amazing amount of sleep and eaten an optimum amount, a uh, variety of nutrients in their diet and has worked with their trainer and they have prepared as best they can. And the competition is finally here. So Kristen, do you suggest eating differently the morning of a competition Do you say like, eat a big breakfast because who knows when you're going to eat again? Or do you say go light? Or do you, what what do you usually say? Because I know this is a thing that stresses a lot of people out. What do you eat in the morning when you start something like this? Okay. And it's going to depend. And so that's, that's always the answer. This is what really, I love about you. <laughs> it's always the
2: answer. So, so then we, so then we start reeling it back again. So ideally when you're preparing, you, you need to know what are the hours. And a lot of times people have a general idea of the time frame that they're performing. They start to get an idea. And when we know that, then we, then we can oftentimes start dialing into what i mentioned before is the, the body's adaptable. So we don't want to change anything. When we get to performance or competition, you know those are interchangeable. We've already figured it out by then, and we want to do everything as close to what we've done at home as possible. So, if if one thing you can do is the things we can control as a da- as a dancer. For the most part, we can control the bookends of meals. The bookends are breakfast and dinner. They may not, they may, because you, it's possible to eat early enough and it's possible to eat late enough that you can do that. It's not necessarily ideal. And sometimes we have to work that with how sleep going to work and those kinds of things. But those for the most part are things that we can maximize and it's more challenging for the schedule to interrupt if we're conscientious Mm -hmm. about it. So that what that means is at home, well, in advance of getting there, you need to have practiced eating breakfast. And so many dancers say, oh, but I'm not hungry in the morning and I don't like to eat in the morning and all these things. And I get it. And I'm not saying breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is when we are starting to work on the most hours of the day are, have limited availability to get in nutrition and hydration, we have to, we have to control what we can control. And that's where that, those times tend to do that. What we want to do is we want to prepare and minimize variables. So when we talk about breakfast, it can be really important. And if you are accustomed to eating breakfast at 7.00 AM or six 30 or something like that, it can be helpful. Um, when you have those later nights, that may not always be the case, And, and that's okay. That's something we work with. So when you're at your competition, generally speaking, you want to do something that's similar to what you do at home. You for sure want to eat foods that feel familiar. And this rolls back to that scouting activity. So if you're, if you're, I'm going to, we're going to act as if you you're traveling because that's, I think that's where people get really stressed out. It's if you're at home, it's a lot Again, you've got a lot more control, but if you're traveling, the first thing I have my dancers do is find out where the venue is. And then we want to look at a map and we want to see what's available. Do you have grocery stores, mini marts, target, um, what food establishments is there food in the hotel? Do you have a refrigerator in your hotel? These are some of the basics that we want to cover then we, because that may even determine when you fly in, some people want to fly in a day early to get things in place. If there are restaurants there that you may be frequenting, because that makes the most sense. Ideally, try those out at home first if it's something. People are surprised to hear me recommend McDonald's, but McDonald's is consistent. If you have McDonald's in Dallas or in Tampa Bay or in Seattle or Denver, you're gonna get a very similar product. And there are some things that if you're if you're accustomed to it and your body's used to eating that, that you're gonna be in good shape. So try those things out in advance. An egg McMuffin and an orange juice can be a really good option. And, and it's pretty consistent and widely available. The other thing is you may, that for some people that feels too risky or it doesn't meet their needs. So you may need to have shopped ahead and have things in the mini fridge in your room, but you have to call your hotel and make sure that there is a mini fridge in your room. And if it's stocked, will you be penalized for pulling things out? Some people will go and just get a cooler or they'll travel with a cooler. They'll check a cooler so that they can have the foods that they're going to use on hand and ready to go. And minimizing that stress can be important. So, some things that you can have anything works for breakfast. Some people just feel more comfortable with what we consider traditional breakfast foods. Easy things to get um, include pre peeled, hard boiled eggs, English muffins, you know, you can all kinds of bread things, yogurt. Just make sure you've tried it at home first. So, should you eat a lot or a little? That's going to depend. When are you performing? Do you have an adjudication class? early on. Do you end up with it? Do you have a nervous stomach? If you have a nervous stomach and you really you may lose your breakfast if you try to eat too much because someone's pushing you have to eat, you have to eat. But don't do that. Don't do that. Let's see what we can do instead. Again, try things at home to see what you tolerate. And sometimes for some people, they don't tolerate anything at all. And that's not ideal. And this is where sometimes sports drinks can come in really handy. Find one you like, find one that's readily available or that you can pack with you. So um powders that you can pack in your bag and then add to your water bottle are good. I like the ones with sugar. It'll give you, a, it'll give you some energy in the morning in that in that sugary drink. If that's if that is all you can tolerate, the other thing you can do is if you really struggle, is to swish. It's this is not, and then brush. You know you're going to need to brush your teeth. This is not optimal for dental hygiene, but it can be enough to give your body a little lift if you need it. This is for people who have really struggle with. Mm -hmm. high anxiety um, prior to performing. Other things that you can have that also hit, you know, hydration is an issue too. And so things that you can have in the morning that can be easy and easy on the stomach are blended foods or drinks. So you can get Um, chocolate milk, if that works for you, boxed smoothie drinks. I've mentioned yogurt that you can pair with, you can turn it into a parfait. You can get parfaits at the hotel breakfast area or put something together there. Applesauce pouches and veggie pouches can be really handy and they're easy and they're easy on a lot of people's stomachs. Jello is really easy and it also provides some liquid um, and some sugar. I'm not wild about the dyes in it. However, sometimes we need to think about. The here and now you can travel with it. You can pack it with you. You can put it in your dance bag. Some people will even pack their food if they really want to make sure. So I have some clients and we have protein bar and muffins and protein balls that they know their body likes and that serve them well. They will make them in advance. They will put them and they will pack them, whether it's in their carry on or their checked baggage so that when they get to where they need to be, they have what works for them. Um, I use the bentos a lot for travel and because it brings that sense of home and consistency, Mm. they can use that for their, um, like a vending machine, a vending machine kind of thing where they can pick and choose what they need in the moment. Fruit is another easy thing. If you can get that in the morning and salt it, that's going to help with hydration, just Mm. kind of getting you started. Yes. So to reel it back to the original question, what should you do? Do what you do at home. You're not at home. And replicate as much as you can from what you do at home. There, check your schedule, and you may need to adapt accordingly. We have a we have a nutrient timing schedule where we work things back. This much before a performance or training, I want you to have this. The closer we come to per- training and performance, the more we're going to lean on carbohydrates. The farther away we are, the more we're going to have fat fiber and protein, which tend to slow digestion. So -hmm. all those things really depend, get your time schedule. Notice if you're going to be um, shifting time zones. So if you're on the West coast and you're flying to Tampa, then you've got a three hour time difference. Your body's probably may or may not adapt in the amount of time you're there. So we, we decide, are you going to adapt to a Tampa schedule? Or are you going to stick, keep your body on a West coast schedule and eat accordingly because that's when you feel good. So those are, there's a lot to consider and I don't have one answer as I never do. Um, but those are just, some, those are some of the things we work through with all the dancers.
0: Well, I love that though. And what you said at the beginning about how you want to be able to number one prepare and number two manage the variables. And it's so it's so great to think about the two meals that you really do have the most control over are breakfast and dinner or start of the day and end of the day. Call them whatever right. you want. Eat steak in the morning if that's what you usually eat for breakfast, right? right. But all the things that you're mentioning, like eating jello for breakfast. Should they do that like first time, the day of the competition? No, because they might throw up red food dye all over the stage. So as you said, you wanna practice this at home, train it, see how you do feel, see what it does work, how it does work for you. So you're training yourself fuel-wise just as much as you're training yourself physically and and dance-wise. So that's that's really great advice. Um, I know that I'm so excited about starting this question because I love your answers. Uh, I know that a lot of times my moms of my dancers who go to like three and four day conventions, they're like, we don't know what to do. Our daughters are dancing for 14 hours and they get 15 or 20 minute breaks at the most in between each thing. And they're running to put on another costume. There's no refrigeration. We don't know if there's a mini fridge. Um, We don't know how long it's going to take. Grubhub. They don't have time to eat Grubhub anyway. So what, how do I keep this kid eating? Like, what do I do to fuel them? So what, what do you say to them? Like, how do you fuel throughout that impossibly long day?
2: Yeah. Okay. And, and first of all, if you choose to pack Jello, don't pack red because it's, don't pack anything we're we're fine with convenience foods because this, they they play an important role but not red dye it's going to stain your mouth it could stain all kinds of things that's a no no the white tutu
0: yes the white tutu
2: yeah so we're going to stay away from this one thing that the moms can do so this is this is an option too is you can take a team approach and if you have a mom who is willing to coordinate that stuff it can make things it can sometimes make things easier because then Depending on what your budget is, um, one person can, if you're driving or, you know, and it depends, are you driving or flying? If you're able to get there by car, you can pack a cooler and we've got a lot more options. If not, you can even get a cooler when you get someplace, get a relatively inexpensive cooler. And if three or four families are dividing the cost of a cooler, it starts to break down to your Grubhub tips, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just not that big a deal. So things you can do are, are again, one, we want to test all these things at home and it and I think that dancers sometimes work better if they know, if it if it's that community, if that sense of community, and we're going to have some things that are options for you. And if everyone's doing it as opposed to, oh, mom, this feels so weird. Why am I doing this? I'm the only one. But if it comes from, if it's a culture where this is what we do, this is part of our preparations, just like Olympians don't just wing it. They And they have an, a dietitian who is bringing the food and fueling to them. This is how high level athletes work, whether it's division one athletes or Olympic athletes, there are dietitians, professional athletes that are creating the meals for them, pre- creating the food, having the options ready. And you can do that too. Now I don't expect dance bombs to know what to do we get th- to have this all planned out because they've got a lot of other things to do. And this isn't their profession. It's mine, but you can consult with someone like me and we can figure things out and make it really pretty easy. So one, we want to have things that we know work and that taste good and that are tolerated, being tolerated. That means it doesn't make you sick. It doesn't make you gassy. It doesn't make you woozy. It doesn't give you um, a a peak and a drop, like a high and a crash. So these are all the things that we wanna practice well well in advance. Target can be a great option. And there are targets in most places where they're, if if it's big enough to have a competition, it's big enough to have a target. So we can do these things in advance and we can even shop in advance. And things that you wanna have or could have on hand that are super easy, pretzels, goldfish crackers, string cheese, string cheese is actually um, shelf stable. People don't know that, but it is. Um, So you can have groups like uh, carbs, protein, quick carbs, and things that we can count as hydration, and we can break things down. These aren't our normal categories that we talk about when we're talking about fueling. But again, these are things we're we're going through a short period of time. This isn't the time we're going to have big green leafy salads. We don't have enough bites for that. You've got to chew. It takes too long. We don't have the refrigeration for it. So we really need to also shift our mindset as to what's the goal here. And the goal is to keep energy and to provide as many nutrients as we reasonably can in a confined space. So if you can get a cooler and if you're allowed to have one in that can be really helpful. If you only can have shelf stable things, that's fine. You can wash fruit, grapes, oranges, apples, bananas, most all fruits are shelf stable, wash them ahead of time and bring them in in baggies if you want to have them in individual baggies. So they're easier to grab and go. That's great. If you have um, a room that kind of acts as the team kitchen and there's one place and that's where the kids go and grab their things the day in advance. That's, that's good too. If someone's there to give them reminders of, Hey, did you grab, you know, do you have water? Do you have your sports drink? Do you have your hydration packet? That can be helpful. You can make emergency kits in advance, you know, put them all in, in a sealable bag that they can put in. One mom can be in charge of that. If you know what every kid's thing is, you've got a list. This is what, you know, Maddie's do- dairy intolerant, so we're not going to put that in there, but we have this option for her instead mm. and, and pack them up so that they're ready to go. And the kids can just eat what feels good to them at the time and give them that autonomy. Great. If it's a kid, if it's a kiddo or dancer who needs to be reminded because they'll just forget to eat, they're too excited to eat. <laughs> um, that's okay too. A set of timer and a reminder. And then if if their stomach can't handle it, then let's go to a liquid version and minimize the steps that they need to get in there. So minimizing chewing can be helpful and make it tasty. That's one of the reasons sports, drink, sports drinks are really effective is they're palatable. And so having things that they enjoy can be helpful. This doesn't mean, you know, sending a, a vending machine of Oreos and Skittles and crappity doodah <laughs> is not going to serve them well.
0: Crappity doodah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's a technical term. Um, but we can find a lot of foods that are tasty and easy to work with. If you've done it in advance, if you've worked it through, then by the time you get there, it's a no stressor. Order the food at Target, you know, put in your online order at Target, have it delivered to your hotel, have it ready for you to pick up so that you know, when you're not getting there and spending two hours to find, oh, they didn't have what we expected at this particular store. Mm -hmm. You can do all that stuff. one of the one of the great advantages that we've come away from um from quarantine was delivery. And stores are stores do that really easily. And you can get again at Target, you can get produce and all kinds of things. So I, I'm not a shareholder and I don't benefit from Target. It just is easy. And then you can pick up your hair gel that you forgot while you're there too.
0: <laughs> and your nail polish remover and anything else that <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I had a competitive cheerleader and she um she said that she just existed on Pixie Sticks and Red Bull, and I was like, I feel like there's a better way to, to get through your. <laughs> so these are great tips, and again, if anybody, um, if anybody wants more information on this, you've created some really incredible posts on this topic of shelf stable snacks and and tips and things for that. So please check her Instagram page for more like details on this because you've got some great information on it. So we're at the competition. We're powering ahead, and Dr. Bluestein, what would your suggestions be for people who are worried about a flare or an injury? Um, are there any magic tricks that they can bring with them if there's a just in case or anything <laughs> like that? <laughs> so, I think one of the things that um, is important
1: to be aware of, just like the listening to the body thing, is where is your autonomic nervous system? So, hmm. we all have a uh, there's actually a connection to the gut. And there's also the uh, sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system is the flight, fight, or freeze. And the parasympathetic nervous system is rest, digest, and restore. And a lot of times um, dancers tend to be very, I don't wanna say high strung, but we're perfectionists, right? And we and we you know go into competitions, we wanna do well, we want everything to go well. And so I think that if you can, in advance of the competition and then practice it while you're there, learn how to tune into that parasympathetic part of your nervous system, because that will help you with your digestion of your nutrients that will help you, you know, kind of bring yourself back down because we know statistically that um, a certain amount of anxiety will help your performance, but then you get past that level of anxiety and your performance actually starts to deteriorate and your risk of injury is going to increase. So if you can get familiar ahead of time and then practice it while you're there of, of sensing, where is my autonomic nervous system right now? And when Kristen's saying like, you know, you feel like you can't eat anything if you're in sympathetic overdrive and you're in that, you know, fight, fight, or freeze, your, your stomach is not wanting to accept um, food. Because, you know, if you think about if you're running after the saber tooth tiger, you know, you shouldn't be eating at the same time. So, you know, you want to be able to tap into that vagal uh, part of your nervous system and, and be able to calm that down before you're on stage or, you know, be, um, while you, you get to the competition and you start seeing all the all dancers and you start thinking, oh my gosh, they all look so much better than me. And I don't think I'm ready for this. Um, you also want to think about, you know, marathon trainers, they, they, they're going to, peak with their number of miles and everything like that in advance of of the marathon. They don't keep running 26 miles right up until the day of the marathon. So, you know, if you can if you especially if you have like a nagging injury or something, if you can give it a little bit more rest beforehand. So maybe before that you were practicing your variation, I don't know how many times a day, 8 times a day, 10 times a day, whatever. And if the few days beforehand if you can and then when when you're there, you know, you want to be going through it mentally, you want to be going through it as much as you need to, but not more than you need to, you know, most of the work is kind of done before you get there. And because you want to rest those, if you do have a nagging injury or something, you, you want to make sure that you're taking care of that. And then you want to make sure that you have any of your as needed medications with you. So if you have asthma, you want to make sure that you have your, you know, all the different inhalers that you might need, even if you don't normally need that at home, as Kristen pointed out, if you're traveling or something, there could be different allergens in the air. So maybe you have inhalers that you use, maybe you have allergic rhinitis, maybe you have eczema, you know, all these like mast cell things that we know are more common and people that have hypermobility. So make sure you have, your topicals and your antihistamines. And if you take singular, you know, on an as kind of somewhat as as needed basis, you want to have that. If you take an H2 antagonist like famotidine, you want to make sure for sure that you have that. Um, so I think you want to have all of all of those things. And one thing that I wanted to mention from what you were talking about earlier, Jen, in the planning phases and all of that you know, there's so much executive function that goes into that. And before we started recording, we the three of us were all talking about neurodivergency and how common that is in, in um, people with bendy bodies, right? So all of this planning might be an extra challenge for, for dancers and other people who are hypermobile. So I think, you know, having someone like you or, you know, any of us in their corner, I think that can really help them with the planning and, and do, you know, a certain amount of the work, so that they just need to do the last part of it, I think is hugely beneficial. And especially since, you know, a lot of these kids are under age 25, so they still have a huge amount of frontal lobe development that's going to happen. Their, you know, their their brains are still evolving, not that they don't evolve through our whole life, but I think that those kind of things can be really helpful.
0: Absolutely. And just as with food, the time to try something is not during the competition. Mm-hmm. So I would think that you would say, you know, if you've never had taken a Benadryl and you're having an allergic reaction in the convention, it's probably not best to pop one there right. <laughs> for the first time and find out how, how it works with you. So again, you wanna test things out and try them. So as you said, if you do have some sort of a mast cell disorder, make sure you've got those tools already ready to go and that you they're all known quantities, that they're yes. not all unknowns. Um, and yeah. I would say along with that, like if you have a latex allergy, bring your own tape. If you think that that's something that's going to need to happen,
1: you know? Right. And, and taping and braces and sleeves can be very beneficial, especially, you know, when you're getting there for the competition. And maybe if you do have some swelling or something, if you put a compression sleeve on some of them have, you know, there's so many different types now that are available, but that, that can help with swelling that can help kind of an injury kind of get a little bit more, Optimally controlled. And so that's something that can be very beneficial. Same thing. Yes, definitely try it out ahead of time. See what level of support works best for you, what parts of your body do best with having that additional support. And that can help with proprioception as well. So we know that people who are hypermobile, they're not as good at knowing where their body is in space without looking. And especially if you're in a competition, you're, you've got all this sensory input. It's overwhelming. You're, you're paying attention to all these things. You're not going to be as aware of where your body is in space. So every single tool that you can have, whether it's tape or a support sleeve, bracing, something like that, um, I think it can be really helpful. And, and, and Jen, I want to know, what do you tell clients to get them through a long weekend? (laughs)
0: well you know sometimes I tell them don't do it (laughs) I feel like some people there's too many out there sometimes and people need to learn to pick and choose but on the topic of picking and choosing I tell them to pace themselves first and foremost when they're when they're at a competition you know if they're doing a, a big competition or convention weekend they might be in four pieces in half a day they might be in 10 pieces over the entire breadth of the day. And so they're constantly going from a solo to a trio to four group numbers. Um, So I really want them to figure out how to pace themselves. And some of that would be just us preparing beforehand to make sure they have the stamina right? Not just the stamina to get through one number, but the stamina to get through a whole day. You might feel great after you've done your first variation. You might feel great after you do your second variation. And then if you have your contemporary solo that night, you might be like, Oh my gosh, I've never done all three in one day. So learning to have that, uh, making sure you know what your stamina is going to be need to be ready for. And then when you're at the convention, it's so hard, but you've got to hold yourself back until you're on stage. It's so much fun to run around backstage with your friends and do all the fun things and hear a song and be like, I used to dance to this and go full out on that dance number. Or if you are doing like a ballet competition, they give you that time on stage. They give you the uh, practice room to practice in for a while, like an hour or so. That's not the time to run through your whole variation three or four times full out. That's the time to work on your trouble spots, mark through it body wise, go through it full out with your upper body. Um, But if you have 16 fouettes in a variation and you've already done 48 of them, when you have been in the practice room and then on stage, because you just want to get them right. By the time you do the next 16, you've done so many, your leg is literally too tired to do them again. So I really encourage dancers to pace themselves at the competition. And that might include, Kristen was mentioning, uh, you might have an adjudication class. Um, Sometimes there are bonus classes that are offered that you can take just for the sake of taking them. Everybody wants to be in front of the guest judges and the guest teachers. Everybody wants to get every drop out of it. But if you go and take, Uh, a ballet class that's on a hard ballroom floor and you're competing an hour later and you've just done a full out 90 minute class. You do the class, you rush into the preparation room, give yourself another class because you feel like you got to warm up again and then you're exhausted. So if if it's not required, maybe you don't take that class. Maybe you take a different class another day and still try to get what you can out of it, but pick and choose because you really want your peak physical effort to come when you're on stage with the curtain up. And not 10 minutes before the curtain goes up and you're, you know, working yourself to death thinking I've got to, I've got to do this. I've got to do it. Uh, And then you want to have a set warm up, Like I talked about before, you want to have those few things that you're already so familiar with that you do them and your body feels more comfortable. Those dynamic stretches, um, something to get your heart rate up, something to tweak, whatever it is you need to tweak, whether it's your turnout, your standing leg, your balance, whatever it is bring your release items with you, bring that lacrosse ball, bring your little foam peanut, whatever your favorite things are, bring them with you so that you have them so that you can dig into those spots that might get tight. I also tell my dancers, if you have a five or 10 minute break uh, and that you can lie down and put your feet up the wall just to sort of encourage that blood flow. Five minutes with your feet up the wall, is gonna help calm your nervous system. It's gonna get some of that swelling out of your legs. It'll do a lot for you. And then you can get up and keep running at full tilt again. So um, talking about feet up the wall, talking about swelling reminds me of that whole hydration thing. Uh, Something that is hard for me if I'm doing a big long day is figuring out where can my breaks be so that I can hydrate as much as I need to, but also not need to use the bathroom in the middle of a big group number. So how, how can people, how can they do that? I know, I know it's difficult, Kristen. Um, figuring that out. So, what what are your tips for that? For staying hydrated?
2: Sure. So, okay, that's gonna that's gonna vary a little bit. I'm sure you're surprised to hear that. <laughs> Shocking. That um, oh, equals yeah. one. What? I know. <laughs> yeah. So again, it, it really depends. You know, we it depends on what your schedule is. So if you have, you know, the two or three pieces in the morning, and then you have a big break. And then something in the evening that's going to change compared to if you're, you have three pieces over the course of the day or 10 or whatever, you know, so one, you have to take those things into consideration. So if you have short amounts of time between things, one thing you can do is to use foods as Hydration. So then you're kind of hitting two, you're knocking out the nutrition component as well as the hydration component in one thing. So things like melon, the applesauce brackets, um, chocolate milk is a a liquid food. Those kinds of things are going to give you nutrition. Um, If you salt your food, it's going to help with the hydration as well. So if you're salting fruit, veggies, um, I particularly like fruit because it tends to be a little bit lower fiber and more ready energy, that you need that salt as part of the hydration project process. Mm -hmm. It's not just the, the fluid, which of course is important, but we need the salt too. And a bit of sugar helps you to absorb and utilize the water, which is we want to get the water in The the fluid in. We don't just want to have it come in mouth and then run to the loo, right? Right. So having some salt and some sugar (laughs) in what you plan to use for hydration is helpful. So salted fruit is good, or a your sports drink alongside something, pretzels with water is good because you're getting the salt. They don't have to be. In one convenient lump, but um, pairing them is helpful. Chocolate milk is actually a decent source of sodium, and sodium, when we're looking at electrolytes, is the primary electrolyte we want to replace from sweat. So that that works if you can get that in short periods of time. Um, and then hydration. Don't think of it as as if you can avoid. Fire hosing, so taking massive amounts at once. One, that'll leave you feeling sloshy, another technical term, we all know that. Um, and it can make you go to the bathroom. You're just going to get in more than your body can absorb. So pace yourself. So we're going to pace ourselves on drinking too. Taking sips of liquid, liquid is good. Mm-hmm. Paying attention to hi- getting hydration in the morning and if you have a gap and in the evening when you're done and maybe can have a little bit more or during longer breaks. Then that's when you may want to say, "Oh, I'm going to drink closer to 16 ounces here because I've got, you know, a lot of time after." But otherwise, taking sips of things and small bites can be really helpful. Um, if it would count as a liquid going through TSA, it's a liquid. So things that will melt at room temperature count as liquids. Ice, frozen things. You know, fruits are pretty liquidy. You can think of smoothies, and again, Jello, which surprises people.
0: Yeah those are all great. And I I love that it harkens back to what you said earlier about control what you can control. So really drinking a fair amount in the morning, not 10 minutes before your first thing, obviously, but drinking a lot in the morning and drinking a lot in the, a lot is a relative term in the evening. Um, to sort of do the long, the long view of, of hydrating is so important. So, um, so the competition is over. Yay. Well done. And you've had an amazing time. Um, what, what happens now, Kristen, how do these competitors help their bodies recover? Food sure. Well,
2: one of the things, so we want to re- replenish what we've lost during the day. So hydration is one of those. So getting enough fluid, that's going to vary depending on the person. So if you had two pieces that day, eh, that's not quite so much as if you had 10 or adjudication class and four pieces. So um, hopefully, you've been able to get things in over the course of the day. And then we want to make sure that you've had a minimum, if not more, than half your body weight influence over the course of the day. But using something like tart cherry juice can be really helpful. And that's readily available in a lot of stores. So, tart cherry juice can really help with relaxation. It can help with sleep, which when your time schedules and your, your sleep schedules may be um, off a bit, that can be helpful. It helps with um, the recovery process, maybe even having, if you have some cacao, you can take with you and mix into some warm milk. If you have a microwave in your room, it brings in magnesium. It's relaxing. It help, can help bring things down. You definitely need to eat. So if, if you haven't had a dinner break during the day and the, and you need a time, you need a time to refuel. We want to make sure that you get glycogen. That's, that's the way your body stores carbohydrate. We want to make sure those stores are refueled. You need to have some carbohydrates at the end of the day. We want you to have some protein. And this is the time when it's most ideal to have foods that you can sit down and chew mindfully and slowly. So that may be the time where you have the big, beautiful salad or where you get more fiber. Again, don't introduce foods that are unfamiliar to you. Avoid Taco Bell. This is is like a sports dietitian. Avoid those things. Avoid saying, Oh, now I'm down for the day. If you have the the next day, this is preparing what you do the evening before prepares you for day two or three or four. So it's not, woohoo, let's go off the rails. It's okay, now we're going to get ready for day two. And (laughs) when we're looking at those hydration things, um, if you're old enough, avoid alcohol. This is not a time for drinking. And anyone can get a hold of caffeine. And that's something I want to address too. If you're using, if you're leaning on Red Bulls, Celsius, any of these drinks that come with caffeine in them, it's not recommended. We can use caffeine strategically for performance. It's not recommended for kids under the age of 12 and for people over the age of 12, a maximum of 400 milligrams today. If when you get to that evening time and to recover and to go to sleep, you need to have cut off your caffeine for most people by noon. So, Some people longer, they may not metabolize. Some people metabolize caffeine more quickly than others. And you may or may not know if that's you, this is not a time to start bringing those things in. I definitely recommend avoiding um, energy drinks because they most often have other components that may not play nicely with you and can negatively impact your health And in the short term, your sleep that night, which as Linda has mentioned is imperative Um, for some people making sure you get, and also making sure you get protein at the end of the day, and that can help with sleep. So we want to do everything we can to help bring things in, make them calm and plan that ahead too, so that dinner isn't a rush or an afterthought know what you're going to do. Is it going to be a little picnic in your room? Do you have a reservation someplace? If you're going to try to eat as a group, please have a reservation and don't try to wing it. You don't have time for that. You know, if you're eating in the hotel, make sure that you know ahead of time. And this again is where the support team can be so important. The dancer needs to worry about dancing. If you have, if if the coach or parents or anyone can say, can take the burden off and say, we have a reservation at this time for the people who want to eat here, Review the menu, make sure it's good, um, meaning it's going to meet the needs of everyone there. Then, then great. If it's we don't have time for that, we're just going to have to eat in our rooms, and everyone's on their own. That's fine. Take care of your dancer. Don't leave them to make decisions after they've already they've been making decisions all day long. You know, is this a good time to do this? Where am I going to find a spot? They're emotionally drained. They're psychologically drained. They're physically drained it's a wonderful gift. You can give to them to nurture them. And, and it takes the pressure off them, which allows them to concentrate. It takes the emotional stress off so that they can eat and rest and recover. It's not, it's not babying them per se. It's really being an important part of, of the staff. And Mm -hmm. so when I get people or coaches or companies that want to incorporate nutrition and some of these Thanks. And I'm always really grateful. And I know that the dancers are too. They feel um, it's comforting and
0: they can relax Mm
2: -hmm. as much as they can
0: relax. (laughs) As much as you can. As much as possible. Um, As much as possible. Yes. Um, Well, Dr. Bluestein, we know that there may be a lot of aches or flare ups of other comorbidities after sort of pushing the body to its limit. Um, what do you recommend post-competition to help the body recover? We've finished with our three long days. We're crawling our way back home. Uh, what, what are some things they can do?
1: So, so in addition to all the amazing things that Kristen rec- recommended, I think some of the other things that can be helpful are, uh, a lot of people have heard of the acronym RICE, um, but I like to use PRICE. So I, I add a P in front of that. So the P stands for protection. So mm-hmm. if you have a nagging, um, ankle, little ankle instability, or an overuse injury in your ankle, and now it's probably a little bit more flared up after being in this competition. Um, you know, put on that sleeve to help reduce the inflammation. Put use some some more tape. Do something to protect that part of the body. And um, the R stands for uh, rest. So again, depending on how flared up it is. So there's different, there's four stages actually of overuse injury. So the question is, does it hurt just while you're doing the activity? Does it hurt during the activity and afterwards? Does it hurt in the middle of the night? Is it waking you up from sleep? If an injury is waking you up from sleep, that's a far more serious situation than if it, if it just, if it just hurts um you know during or or after the activity so you want to be paying attention to how much is this injury bothering me and you want to rest it accordingly i love what you said jen about putting the feet up against a wall i think that's positively brilliant whether you have any issues with your ankles or or, you know, knees or whatever, but we know that ankle injuries are extremely common amongst dancers. Like I forget the actual statistic, but it's something like 80% or something Mm -hmm. of injuries in dancers are are in the ankle. And if you think about it, you know, we put our ankles through a lot. There's not a lot of muscular support for the ankles. So um, it's a very, very common area of injury. So, so rest, the body needs rest in order to heal an injury. It needs that part of the body to be either rested completely or relative rest. So rest doesn't mean that you have to just stop everything, but it might be relative rest. It might be that you are um you know doing like you said doing you're maybe going full out with your upper body or you're doing some other things but you're really resting that part of the body after afterwards for a while. Ice can be used in moderation. Um you know you don't want to be going more than 20 minutes and you don't want to be you know covering something up, but you want to be looking for things like you know swelling redness, all the typical signs of, of an injury? Is there discoloration? I mean, you know, is this, is this a little bit of a, an exacerbation of something, some overuse injury that you already had, or do you have, you know, a a severe, did, did you really do some damage and you need to get this evaluated? So if it's waking you up from sleep, if it's, you know, starting to get really swollen, uh, discolored and those kind of things, then you want to, get this checked out. So that would be another thing I would recommend. And then C stands for compression. So again, the sleeves and and those kind of things can really help a lot. And then E stands for elevation. So, you know, the feet up against the wall or whatever it is, or sleeping, you know, sleeping with your legs on a pillow or something Mm -hmm. like that. Obviously they don't always stay there, but um, so, so that's the first thing that I would recommend. And then the second thing I would recommend like Kristen, I recommend all the time, Supplements like magnesium, vitamin C, vitamin D, Um, I measure blood levels of vitamin D and I uh, monitor them pretty closely to keep them in the, like closer to the upper limits of normal, not, you know, okay, it's not a single digit. (laughs) And so a lot of, a lot of doctors, if if you're not in the single digits, they think you're fine. It's like, no, we want to have this like in a comfortable range. We want to have this, um, in in a very good level. And vitamin C is something that we need more of when the body's under stress. So, uh, whether it's during the activity or afterwards, we want to make sure we're, you know, supplementing those well. And then the other things that, you know, I mentioned earlier, like sleep, um, are just really important to, to be trying to do so that the body can recover from this intense load that you, that you put on your body. So Jen, what things
0: do you recommend people do after a competition? Uh, Well, first and foremost, rest, (laughs) just as both of you have mentioned. And I, I work very hard as much as I can with the the studios that I work with and uh, the companies that I work with to make sure that they give their dancers a day off afterwards, which sounds like common sense, but Many times is not the case. Sometimes studios feel like, oh, we've got another competition coming up in two weeks. We got to get back in the studio. We got to keep going. But after a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday of dancing, 14 hour days, you have to take a day to let your body rest and to let your brain rest to be something other than a dancer. If you have been, um, away all weekend doing a big cheer competition to be driving back all Sunday night and then to race to school and then have, you know, a four hour cheer practice after that is a lot. It's, it's a lot. So, giving yourself that time off from dance or from cheer or ice skating or whatever it is that you're doing is really key mentally, I think as much as it is physically. And then as, when we do start moving, I like to do really mindful training. Uh, Sometimes I teach a a post-show recovery class that I like to do for companies or studios that have been working really hard. And it's just a way to reset their nervous system and to check in with the things that might've gotten a little tweaked, during, um, during the long weekend. Um, and then we can start moving again, and start doing a class. So I know that some people think, let's just jump back in and push through the soreness. And I don't want people to stop moving completely and lie in bed for 24 hours, but we do need to let that body take that time to heal itself and then start moving in a really mindful way. And then I want to talk about what did work, what didn't work. Where did you run out of gas? What could we do better next time? What did you think was great about your your solo or your variation? What do we want to work on for it for the next one? So having that sort of that post-game recap, I think is really helpful for me, for Kristen, for you, for whatever, whatever branch that people are in that they want to talk about. But I think just sort of having that conversation is, is super helpful. Speaking of conversations, I know this is like one of the longest ones ever. I feel like we could, we could be teaching a five hour workshop on this topic. Um, But before we wrap things up, this has been so great and has had so much information in it. Was there anything that I, I didn't ask or that we got left out that you guys wanted to make sure was covered here? I think we covered a lot. (laughs) I think we did cover a lot. I know I'm kind of proud of us for getting through so much. We did cover a lot. There was one thing that I wanted to mention,
1: which was um, getting back to the topic of inflammation that. There are different ways to approach inflammation, and and you know if, if you've had extra load on the body, it's not uncommon to have in, inflammation. Um, and inflammation mm-hmm. again isn't isn't a bad thing. But I prefer to resolve inflammation in a different way than oftentimes you know a lot of people they they want to take a prescription anti-inflammatory, and it does give you kind of that quick reward. It often does. Feel good pretty quickly, but if you can use things like fish oil, or you know, sometimes if you're if you're over eighteen because of the risk of Ray syndrome, um, but uh, you know, aspirin. Again, you never try any of these things for the first time um, at the competition, or you know, uh, you want to be make sure you've tried it in advance. But there are some things that people can use that can help with inflammation. Melatonin has anti-inflammatory properties, so you know, using some of these things that can help resolve the inflammation. I mean, they actually call them resolvins, um, rather than uh taking a prescription NSAID, which sometimes can, you know, it's hard on the gut, it's hard on mm-hmm. the kidneys, and especially if you're not optimally hydrated um, and or if you've had, you know, some gut issues, which we know are are quite common in people with hypermobility. Um, I think some of the other approaches to inflammation can be better.
0: I would agree with that. I think at the end of the day, what we're talking about here is we're talking, as we talk about competitions and being ready for these long, long haul events is that preparation is so important, whether we're preparing our foods, whether we're preparing by calling ahead and making sure hotels have a refrigerator in them, whether we're preparing by getting enough sleep, by training correctly, but preparation will do so much to get us ready for those competitions. And then when we're in the competition phase, we've all been talking about how much it's about maintenance really trying to maintain our energy levels, really trying to maintain our stamina, trying not to overdo things where we can and um, be as smart and efficient as we can during it. And then afterwards, give ourselves the rest that we need. Make sure we're eating those nourishing foods to rebuild our bodies. Make sure we're taking that time to sleep, making sure we're taking time off from the dance so that we can really give ourselves the recovery time that we need. So we have to look at it not just in that Isolated, pulling those two or three days out. We have to look at the beginning and at the middle and at the end of it in order to have a really successful competition or or, or event weekend. As we wrap this up, I know you guys have given so many great um, pieces of advice. Where can people find you if they want to hear more about uh, what you what you what you talked about?
2: Kristen, what about you? Sorry. <laughs> sure, you can find me on my website, which is eatwellw well pros p r o s dot com. Or on Instagram at Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-I-N underscore Koskinen, K-O-S-K-I-N-E-N underscore R-D-N.
0: Excellent. Dr. Lucy, what about you? And people can find me at
1: hypermobilitymd.com, or they can find, of course, the podcast at bendybodies.org. And I'm most active on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter and Facebook as hypermobilitymd. And then of course, bendybodies, bendy underscore bodies. And what about you, Jen?
0: People can find me on Instagram. I'm pretty active there um, at Jennifer period Milner, or you can find my website at Jennifer So there's easy ways to find us. I know we all check our socials and our e- email boxes. So um, you can absolutely reach out if you have got questions. You have been listening to bendy bodies with the hypermobility MD. And our guest today for our panel discussion was Kristen Koskinen, RDN, Kristen, thank you so much for coming in and gabbing with us on this really, (laughs) really important topic. Thank you.
2: I love it. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yay. It was great to chat with you. If you love what you've learned, follow the Bendy Bodies podcast to avoid missing future episodes. Screenshot this episode, tagging us in your story so we can connect. Our website is www.bendybodies.org and follow us on Instagram at Bendy underscore bodies leaving a review, following the Bendy Bodies podcast and sharing the podcast helps spread the word about hypermobility and associated conditions. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The information shared is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please refer to your local qualified health practitioner for all medical concerns. We will catch you next time on the Bendy Bodies podcast.